Hello, welcome. This is The Parent Panel. Every week we invite a mum and a dad to come on and chat about a series of topics ranging from tips on how they get out of the door on time to their thoughts on news of the day. Our mum today is a TV presenter and producer who spends her spare time wrangling cows. And our dad is a comedian who has discovered the secret to school drop-off. Well, sometimes you catch yourself just being bossed around. You're going, wait, wait a second. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm an adult. <laughs> Neve one day took her nappy off and just rubbed it on the wall. Oh, wow. I think you're still in the trenches with your kids. I like the expression trenches. I sometimes call it the vortex. <laughs> the Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Shezi Denya is our mum. She's the presenter of Mummy Time TV and producer of Denya Entertainment. When she's not working her butt off in the entertainment industry, she's managing bovines on her farm in Bathurst. <laughs> she has two daughters aged eight and three. Hello, Shezi. Hello. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. And our dad is comedian Cam Knight. He has two sons aged five and three. Hi, Cam. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me back. Well, uh, <laughs> considering last time your son peed on our lounge, what, what <laughs> I'm more? I'm very surprised. I was just waiting for the day we could ask you to come back. I uh, came without him this time, <laughs> as you can see. What is your secret to uh, double drop off? Uh, it's just, it's compromise. It's because every morning's different. Sometimes they can be uh, quite malleable and, and easy to uh, to wrangle. And um, But other mornings they just won't. Other mornings they don't want to eat. Other mornings they don't want to get out of their pyjamas. Some days they want to have pyjama day. My son, my eldest, forgets every day that he has to go to daycare and he's, and it's as if I've just dropped a bomb on him when it's like, is it a home day? And I say, no. And he's just like, I don't want to go to school. And I'm like, mate, I get you. I didn't, have, I didn't like school either, but get out of my house. I need to go to work. You know, so then I end up just making compromises or um, so yesterday I, you bribe your kids. You know, you end up bribing them with things. Um, yesterday to get them out, it was insane. They were given a bunch of stickers with their names on them and they just started sticking them all over my face and my glasses. <laughs> and I ended up just, I, I just accepted it. I just went with the flow. I was very <laughs> zen about it. And we ran out of time. And so then I had to get tiny teddy, like packets of tiny teddies, which I'm not, it's not great. They'd already had breakfast, mind you. It was a good <laughs> breakfast. They had wheat bits. That's a tick. So that that's fine. Um, and then I said, if you guys get dressed and you're in the car, uh, you both get a packet of tiny teddies each. And so, man, it happened like that. They were oh. dressed, they were up, they were in the car, tiny teddies. I still had stickers on my face and I <laughs> went in and did drop off, walked into daycare with stickers all over my face because that's like, just how it had to be. Yeah. So what is harder, <laughs> wrangling cows or children? Children. <laughs> I mean, some days I've even promised a chip sandwich, you know, yeah. That's a pack of chips on a, a sandwich. Butty sandwich or something. Chip butty. Butty. That's butty. Yeah. I don't know. Butty. Yeah. Lollies. I've got lollies on hand though. I always yeah. pull them out. Yeah. Definitely kids are harder to wrangle than the cows because the cows, you just give them a bit of hay and they're just, you know, they can't. They can't. do what you yeah. want. Open a gate. Yeah, they go exactly. Through. You they... open anything with a kid, they're, they just <laughs> exactly. go the opposite direction. Yeah. And when you've got two kids, mine do that too. You're trying to deal with one I know. and then the other one runs off and yeah. you're in the middle of the street just like stuck and yeah. People are looking at you. Like, it's great. Help? Sophie's it's like, yes, choice. It's great. Which one's my favourite? I'll go for that one. <laughs> Which one's easier? Which one yeah. can't run as yeah. fast? <laughs> That's who I target. And luckily I live on a farm. So when I'm like, why are you doing this to me? It's only the cows that turn around. <laughs>
All right, our topics today are are kids out of bounds for the paparazzi, the best and worst thing about birth, and is honesty always the best policy with kids? Our first story today, though, is cupboard porn. You know Marie Kondo? No. She told me to get rid of the Marie Kondo book. What can I say? I just love cleaning. Cleanliness is next to managerliness. Kate Rowe is a self-confessed home organisation enthusiast. She joins a group of influencers who are followed for their meticulous homes. You know, the ones where the pantry has matching Tupperware and spice jars, everything is in its place. According to an article in news.com.au this week, her home always looks or almost always looks as it does on Instagram because she has a regimen that she sticks to. Rowe works four days a week but still manages to spend two to four hours a day cleaning, tidying and organising. She says, I think so long as you have some great organising systems set it up, set up, it doesn't matter if you have children in the mix. Shezzy. <laughs> Thanks for coming to me first. Is having a good organisation system the secret to maintaining a neat and orderly house? Or was Kate born with some kind of super gene that allows her to create the impossible? Look, I think Kate's a little bit crazy. Um, I don't know how anyone can be that organised. I mean, I lived on the road for six years, so you have to be adaptable. I lived out of a suitcase. I even took Sailor on the road for you know her first year. So I... Some days my house is tidy and that's enough for me, but there is no way I would spend two to four hours a day cleaning or doing anything other than chasing kids, feeding cows, <laughs> weeding, fixing fences, feeding animals. Like it's, I don't have that time. Let's not forget sitting on the couch and crying. <laughs> and eating. And eating. You know, or trying, emotions. To, trying to go to the toilet by yourself. I just think like it's, you know, like each to their own. But I think, is it a bit neurotic? Um, I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think home organisation enthusiast is just a friendly way of saying anal. Um, <laughs> that is insane. We do have max, matching Tupperware containers in the cupboard because before we had kids, um, my wife, I don't know who picked it up off who, but my wife and my mum, my mother-in-law, both have the same matching Tupperware containers. And they probably with, had a party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, they got, got a, a printer, deal. you know, the printed label yeah. printer thing and put all this sort of stuff there. So that was already there instilled in her. And Belle was a really super clean sort of neat person when I met her. But now we've had the kids. It's about It's about just trying to find a balance between mm. what feels like your house and what feels like a bomb site. <laughs> yes. And and so, you know, again, yeah, same with me. Some days are better than others. I always there's always a the night cleanup. I mean, you clean your house with kids. You for and then the, the, the second your back is turned, it's gone again. Like the mm. stuff is just pulled off off the shelves and, you know, our, a friend of our mine shelves said cleaning... are covered in stuff at the top. There's no neat space up there. They're no, just... no, wherever you can throw stuff. A yeah. friend of mine said that cleaning up after kids is like shoveling snow in a snowstorm. Yeah, or it is. Or brushing your teeth while eating Oreos. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely, and I, just two to four hours a day, I've got better stuff to do. I if know. I did that, I wouldn't even be doing this podcast right now. <laughs> no. You know, I'd rather be here doing this than cleaning my house. But it's could at I get a point someone to okay. do it for me? Because I actually look at those photos and have like such, such longing and yearning to be able to see the spaces on my floor that way. Yeah. And to have, but actually to also have 
matching interiors because my husband and I kind of, we moved in a year after we met and we've been together 16 years now. So that's 15 years of us kind of pushing, me pushing his like stuffed, stuffed out cobra <laughs> out the back door. Stuffed he's cobra. Never, he's never forgiven me for that's that. Hilarious. Oh my gosh. And him going, oh no, that, that quilt cover is not manly enough. So we, we have this juxtaposition of styles as well, which kind of makes it feel messier anyway. Yeah. And so I look at that Instagram account and go, uh, apart from it looking like a display home, I'm also like, I'm kind of a bit. It doesn't feel I don't homely. Like that. That, yeah, I, I, you're staying in a hotel then. Yeah. You're staying in a photo. I don't mind staying in a hotel. <laughs> I know, but then, you know. But it's also, it's not reality. It isn't. And so to me, like looking at something like that gives me anxiety mm. because I feel about trying to maintain it would just be such a headache. It because would. I just, you know, I've cleaned out my pantry once before and I was so proud. I was like, no one touch anything. Yeah. And we all just stood there looking at it. <laughs> yeah. And within 10 minutes, it all went to, you know, poop and it was just mess everywhere. And um, it, I was so upset. I couldn't talk to the kids for a few hours. Unless this is some sort of like catharsis for her. Like she finds, mm. she gets great pleasure in tidying things up, keeping things in order. She's also obviously got some sort of... <laughs> I don't know, obsessive compulsive <laughs> disorder. Who knows? Who knows what she, where she's at? Mm, but, you know, like I like to have clean surfaces. I don't like, because we live in an apartment too. So at times it can get too much. It feels like you're cluttered in, you're, you're closed in by all of this, these toys and mess and yuck. And, you know, you've got clothes hanging on a clothes, you know, an indoor clothesline because it's been mm. raining outside because it needs to be near the heater and all of that sort of stuff. It's just, again, when you find a moment, you can do a whip around clean up just to mm. a point at the end of the day where you can relax and go, okay, this is enough like my space now. Mm. It's okay. Yeah. You, know, it doesn't, you have to have a healthy to... balance. Yeah, totally. And a house is lived in. Yes. It's not, it can't just not get filthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not just for Instagram. Yeah. yeah. All right. Our next topic is uh, whether or not the paparazzi should live, leave the kids of celebrities alone. I like to keep my private life private, ma'am. Every 500 feet, they stop to take another damn picture. Don't go there. Come on, you want to stop taking pictures? According to an article in the Sydney Morning Herald this week, psychologist Dr. Michael Carr-Gregg said he's been seeing more children of celebrities are being hounded by the paparazzi. The article mentioned the harassment Cassandra Thornburn described after her separation with husband Carl Stefanovic. Carr-Gregg said children are often bullied at school because their parents have a high profile. Ben McDonald, who's the CEO of photo agency Matrix Media, defended when the paparazzi take photos of kids by saying they are only, quote, feeding the demand. Cam, should children of celebrities be out of bounds of the paparazzi or are they fair game if parents already post photos of them online? And I'm thinking here specifically of Roxy Jadet. I can't say her last name. Who can? Also, who can? I know it's me. We know who you're talking Jusenko. about. Yeah, Roxy. Thank you, Jacenko. Yeah. Old mate Roxy and her yeah. daughter Pixie. Pixie. <laughs> Rox and Pix. Rox and Pix. So Pixie has her own Instagram account, yeah. but um, Roxy and her husband have had their fair share of media attention. So in, in those instances, like or any instance, should the children of celebrities be out of bounds? How old's Pixie? Uh, nine, nine. I nine. Think, I think she's she, older uh, now. Yeah, she was yeah. she was quite young when they started the Three. Instagram yeah. account. I don't know how I know that. It's interesting. It's <laughs> I mean, you see, even go back further to like Jamie Oliver really was quite inclusive with his family and his children, and he's been trying to, I guess, he's been involved involving them in his life and his career with food and trying to educate 
uh, families and children about good food and good eating and that sort of thing. So there's a positivity to that aspect, right? But in this other, on this other side, when you've got tabloids chasing, just trying, at the end of the day, it's bottom line, just trying to sensationalise, make money. They just, it's pushing revenue. I mean, it's the papers that are to blame for that sort of thing because, you know, they're just hounding celebrity for some photograph. Look how tired this person looks. Look at this beautiful girl. Oh, she's going to be an influencer. Let's give them things. I think mm. there has to be a fine line there. And it, it also, I guess you've got to address how much they do include their children on social media and, yeah, whether or not they have their own social media um, accounts as well, what they're doing on those accounts, if that's a private account that you have to, um, you know, request to follow, those sorts of things. Uh, But if they're out there and they're trying to be out there and, uh, I guess, be a personality, at that age too, it's sort of on the parents. It's like, what are you going to do? I'm worried about it with my kids. I try not to put too much of them out there, you know, not that I'm going to get chased, but it's just, you know, they need to grow up and not feel like everyone's looking at them. I think kids need to have their childhood. And there's also that an was element. very serious, wasn't it? It was very serious <laughs> yeah. for a comedian. Bloody hell. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh, here's here's some follow. wacky jokes about Instagram. <laughs> Is that, I, it's also, I'm interested to know what you think, Shezzy, because yeah. you've um, been the subject of paparazzi, unkind paparazzi yeah. uh, attention before. and um, Very unkind. And, um, and you also have um, photos of your kids online but uh, in your Instagram account. But yep. the thing about Instagram when you're doing it, I also feel there's an element of control and parental consent with that Absolutely. too, isn't there? And, yeah. I, and I've been, like, I, I, I guess, you know, I feel that we supply enough pics of our kids um, and we also choose the narrative um, and I don't feel that there needs to be paparazzi shots of, you know, of my kids and I've... I've had a very aggressive incident before where a paparazzi kind of chased me in the car when I was driving back to Bathurst and I had my daughter in the back seat and he was trying to get me to pull over. And I didn't know that he was a photographer until I pulled over and then um, he came around. I pulled over at a service station and he came around and, and basically got all up in my face and taking photos of you know of myself and of Sailor and, and that was really scary and I, yeah. you know, and, and the photos that came out, they said that, you know, that I'd had a fight with my husband or something like the, then yeah. the, it, it, the photos didn't match the story, you know, of what had actually happened. And that really shook me. And the fact that, you know, I had this little baby who's in nappies who, you know, I, it was in the backseat of the car and I got virtually pushed off the road. Um, I don't like that. Oh, that makes me really angry. Yeah. That and makes I, me really angry. And my husband was furious too. And, you know, we had to wait because you don't know who these photographers are a mm. lot of the time. We had to wait until the photos came out. And, you know, another time just last Christmas we had photos taken, you know, of me on the beach, um, well, of us on the beach, you know, enjoying our holiday up in Ballina or whatever. Um, I don't like – I don't like being papped myself. But, you know, I understand that sometimes, you know, that will happen. It's not ideal. But I don't like my kids being photographed in, in swimmers, you know, mm. or in really private situations. So I guess I... And what does that teach them about consent? Because when you're taking a photo yeah. for your child for your own Instagram account, you're holding the camera, you're yeah. the one that's talking to them about what's happening and sh- explaining it to them. If you've got someone hiding in the bushes taking photos of 
them while you're having a private moment. Yeah. Surely that's a different... It's really weird. I, I also remember when I had to walk into the hospital two years ago with the kids and there was a photographer out the front. We were walking in. Grant had had a car accident and had broken um, his sacrum and I hadn't seen him. And I was pretty upset. You know, I'd just flown in with the kids and this person jumped out and was taking photos. And, and my daughter, like, you know, Sailor, she just, she, she just turned it on. She was like smiling, like, you know, like she was doing a dance concert and I, I lost it. I just, I, I couldn't stop crying and I just kind of grabbed her and, and pushed her in and, and, you know, she could see that I was really upset and I had to kind of explain to her that we weren't doing anything wrong and she wasn't doing anything wrong. Like her reaction was, you know, was, was normal-ish. Um, but, but she didn't know what She the... didn't know what the photos were for. No. And she was so used to, like she, you know, she was born when we travelled on the road for sunrise. And so her whole life has been photos, you know, in magazines. And, and it's a very different upbringing, I think, for Scout because she hates photos. Um, so it's confusing for them. But I certainly don't. I don't like aggressive paps, and I, I, I guess that's why I feel like it's so important that, that I do release pictures of my kids and of my family because people are invested in it and they like to know, you know, what's going on. But I get to choose what photos they are. Well, you've put those photographs. That's the thing. Like you said, you've got you've chosen specific photographs to go up on your social media with your children or whatever. Take those ones. Exactly. Have them. Yeah. You don't need to chase There's, me around. There's photos of my kids and me and it's right. controlled and I'm happy with those. Take yep. them. Yeah, you don't need and to there's no shortage. No, and, like I give yeah. them, you know, horrible photos of myself with my makeup on. <laughs> Maybe not the dimply bottom, but you know, that was the best though. Oh yes, you did a lot for Mama Kind everywhere. Maybe you should get masks made up of your dimply bottom <laughs> and put them on your kids' faces in the car when they're that. chasing you, I'm and do they that. can just take photos of your kids with dimply bottom masks on. I'm going to try that. Oh, dear. Look, there is no easy way to give birth, and yet birth itself has been politicised. Up next on the Parent Panel, we're talking about birth experiences, the good, the bad and the ugly. We'd like to see a more unbiased approach to how we give birth because the common conversation that sort of happens is you don't want a cesarean or don't worry about a cesarean. You're not going to have it because you're going to breathe this baby out. Yes, she did say, breathe this baby out. (laughs) Um, I recently posted an article on Facebook about a woman who successfully sued her doctor for birth trauma after a non-consensual forceps delivery. So she was basically told, we're going to do a um, C-section, and then they um, got the baby out through um, forceps, and she had a terrible, terrible tearing. Um, But the question posed in the article, which intrigued me, was what does it take to empower women in the birthing suite and how much control should the medical fraternity have over the right um, for women to choose how they birth? The response I had from my friends kind of reinforced for me that this is an idea people want to talk about, particularly women. Um, For my friends, empowerment was about listening to women, finding out what works for them, and also providing continuous support. So you have the same care network for you, whether it's midwives or an OB throughout your pregnancy and beyond. Shezzy, what was your experience like in the birthing suite? Um, With Sailor, my obstetrician at the time said to me, you really should elect for a caesarean because I had a, a... a hereditary problem with shoulder dystocia in my family and he was worried. Sailor was 
she had a very large head and she was weighing in quite heavy. And I said to him repeatedly, I do not want a cesarean at all, you know, at any cost. And so I tried really hard not to have a cesarean and then things got complicated and in the end I had to kind of give in. So I I wish that I'd kind of, instead of trying to be so controlling, that I'd listened to his experience, you know, a bit more. But I think the main thing that always stuck with me is um, midwives. You can have a really, really good midwife who can give you the best experience or you can have a really cranky, mean, horrible, not listen to your midwife who can make you feel really small and really depressed. And you're so vulnerable when you're having a baby. That's just always stuck with me. And I had, you know, I had some really great ones and I also had some like some pretty nasty you know, battle-weary. Yep, battle-weary. Mm. Yeah. And, and Cam, I know you didn't physically give birth, no. but obviously you had the experience with your wife as well. What, what was yours like? Uh, it was, well, we were quite blessed. We had, really, we had a really good experience um, both times. And, I mean, I think every man needs to be present for the birth of their children because you understand your place in the world. You <laughs> watch that go down and you realise how redundant you truly are. <laughs> I, I actually bow to you. You ladies, you're the superior sex of the species. I'll yes, go on are. record right now. Um, there's nothing Keeping we that. can do. We can't beat that. There's nothing we can do. Men couldn't even be pregnant. We'd be like, what do you mean I can't drink for nine months? What's going on? <laughs> you guys, I love it. You carry children in your... St- you carry them around for nine months and just get on with your day. I don't even like carrying my kids to the car. So... <laughs> Look, we had to, we had a really beautiful experience. We we prepped like we'd sort of prepped with this sort of calm birth idea, you know that like you just said with that breathe through it and open the flower and go, oh my god. And Gosh, we were listening to that. CDs I and just going, oh my god, it was gross. Especially when a man says it, <laughs> open your flower, just stop it, mate. Back off, you creep. Right? It was a bit much. Anyway, we uh, we went in with all of these sort of breathing exercises, and we had prepped. We prepped at home. The first time we prepped at home for about eight hours uh, before we went in and I had taken um, some notes on what I was supposed to do and stuff and they'd said, you know, if you want to just watch a movie and I stupidly went, okay, so I put Wolverine on and... (laughs) And so every time she got a contraction, I'd have to pause the film. And then I was like, you know, I was like a boxing coach, you know, just giving her the timing, the breaths or whatever. And then when the contraction would end, I'd quickly put a, you know, put a cloth on her neck and give her a sip and go, you're doing great, mate. Get back in there. You're going right. And then finally, when Belle said, I've had enough, I want to go in, we went in. Um, but we, again, we were told, set up the room how you want to set up the room that would make you feel comfortable. And, and Royal Randwick is amazing like that. They let us. So I took in, we took in fairy lights and we had our own track uh, list of of music and stuff and we had snacks and they said to us take snacks take lollies take chocolate because if you know because they just do the rounds these midwives Mm. do the rounds but they'll want to come back into your room if you're going to give them stuff (laughs) Ah, so we yeah yeah so we and because we had a cool room you know we didn't it wasn't so sterile people were like oh this is a good vibe in here we'll come in it's a party and it's a nice little party yeah so we're listening to music (laughs) everything's cool and we were allowed to move about as we wanted to you know like if Belle wanted to get in the shower she could or if she wanted to get on the bath they had an acrobat mat that was waterproof for the floor so um, essentially in the shower she was on all fours in the shower and I was just hosing her off just with the shower head you know just making her cool calm and collected Um, and then while serving everyone else champagne anyone wants some snakes alive Um, and we're back to the movie off we go yeah (laughs) so it was kind of it was really quite a 
you know, amazing experience where um, Did we didn't feel... Did you go through the midwifery group practice? Um, within the hospital, yeah. So we had a, a lady that we were so dealing with. So you knew the, the midwife during We the knew labor. the midwife, but then there were other people's... Uh, there were other people on the rounds that were mm. sort of doing the circuit. So um, they would they were just a lot of the time we were just it was just us just hanging out doing it until it sort of got to a crunch time both times. The first one uh, Archie was delivered um, on the floor, and the second time um, Oscar was delivered in the in the bath, and we, and I was in there with her, just sort of behind her, just supporting her, and we're just sitting there, and you know they just sort of give you encouragement and tell you where you're at basically and we just sort of try to stick to this sort of breathing thing which is did she did crazy. she breathe out the baby oh god no it was, <laughs> was uh, she breathing like she, a flower? i reckon she might have might have screamed it out but <laughs> <laughs> that's a loud breath isn't it it was it was um look all of that all of that we could do a whole podcast about calm birth i really think um you could go in as prepped as you can mate but at the end of the day you know you got to go with now, how you're just going listening yeah, to you too. it's like my maybe hus- we'll go back and do it again <laughs> yeah. my husband gave me yeah. a, you know what they weigh in like what's the bottle that you weigh in because i was throwing up every contraction i was yeah. like this smells like weed uh, and he's like you're okay yeah cough it up love yeah oh, that was wow. about the extent of his encouragement. So. Yeah, right. My husband fell asleep. <laughs> oh, wow. But I, I have to be fair, I didn't let him leave the room. So we were at Royal Randwick as well. Yeah. And um, I, I reckon we went in and out. It was quite a long labour. Yeah. And he'd probably been there for 12 hours. I wouldn't even let him leave to get a coffee. And then he was over the... Um, over the beanbag holding my hands and I was in the middle of a contraction but I, I'm quite fond of the gas. So I <laughs> Who isn't? Of... I had a crack of that. It's great. Takes the <laughs> so, edge off. So did he. Why not? But that's the point. It doesn't stop you feeling. It just takes you no, away. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in this weird la-la land and then I heard a really familiar sound and I'm like, that's an odd, ha- odd sound to hear. What is it? Oh, my God. And then I just went, you've got to be joking, because he was snoring. Oh, wow. In the middle of the contraction, he was so tired. Oh, wow. Still and holding still your hands on that. I let him go. I just went, you've got to be kidding. That's great. Wake How up. can you? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> oh, my God. But I, I do think it's interesting with birthing that those, those are the two key things that came out um, from the article that I did. It was about um, what do women want and then also the, the support you get. So having mm. the one midwife that you had can and then having them come through and check on you. But the difference, everyone's had a cranky midwife at oh some point. Oh, my God. Anyway. I had a woman, like I had, my catheter bag fell off the bed and it tore my urethra, right? And I was in so much pain, even though I'd just had a cesarean, I could feel it. Wow. And so I had to have rehabilitation like to be able to urinate. Um, and I remember this midwife when I said to her, I was like, I'm in so much pain. She's like, you've got the baby blues. You just need to pull yourself together and you'll be fine. Wow. But I'm writing down on the form that you are a candidate for postnatal depression. Oh, and that was it. That's really annoying. And it was so harsh. I was like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. And I was in so much pain. And once I discovered it, I didn't get a sorry or anything, but wow. you know. And you question yourself in that, in like, of course you, know, you do, scenario. because they've seen so, all they're in there the whole right. time. So you just go, she looked oh, like well, she'd lived there for seventy years. <laughs> so, she never know, leaves. She's seen yeah, everything. that's right. <laughs> we went in with a plan, like we'd written out a birth plan as well, which they suggested you do. So then you stick. So then you can remind them, this is what we want. We don't want this. We don't want this. Mm. You know. So it was in pa- on paper mm. as well, which I think is really important. 
particularly when you're in that moment and they're trying Mm. to suggest you do other things, you know, so you've got to get in your ear. Hey, this is on paper. My wife's just shut up. Like when you say you don't want an epidural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, no, I really want one now. I really do. (laughs) Look, the paper's (laughs) torn up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Our final topic in just a moment is honesty always the best policy with children. Mitch is playing Santa. This Santa is Mitch. This Santa is Marvin. Dad, he's not the real Santa. This week, Nate Cook, life coach at Gritbox, was on Feed, Play, Love, talking about the importance of being honest. While he wasn't against perpetuating the myth of Santa, the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy, he said that it's important to be honest about other things, like when a family pet dies. He says, don't replace the goldfish, but to use it as a chance to talk about life and death, that sort of thing. Still, honesty in children can be a tricky line to hold. Cam, Mm -hmm. do you believe that honesty is the best policy? When are you completely honest and when do you tell little white lies? Um, I have been quite honest with my eldest uh, about death. He's already five, but he's already asked me uh, a few times about that. And I remember one time he was sitting on my lap and it was in front of my dad and he asked me... um, he asked me if he was going to die. And if his grandfather was no, going to die. No, if, if he, oh, if your Archie son, was yes. going to die. And I said, yeah, mate. And um, he looked at me and he said, I don't want to die. And I said, I don't want you to die either, mate. And then he said, are you going to die? And I said, yeah, at some point. And he went, I don't want you to die. And I said, no, I don't want to either, mate. But, you know, it'll be a long time. You know, it'll be a long time ahead, hopefully, and we'll have a really, you know, we'll have a wonderful life together and that'll be great. And then he just said... I just I don't want you to die for a hundred a hundred hundred years or a hundred thousand hundred years or something silly like that. And I said that'd be wonderful. I'll do my best, mate. I'll do my absolute best to stay alive for that number that doesn't exist that you just said. Absolutely. And then within the skip, within like seriously a beat, because it was sort of it was this really beautiful moment. And then with like <laughs> he just looked at me. <laughs> And he just went, you're a poo head. And I'm like, great. <laughs> I nailed that, I think. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So I think yes and no. I mean, I I still feel the whole Santa Claus thing is a punish, but I mean, it's sort of a part of our culture with Christmas How and they're say, around. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Back up, Well, yeah. Bitch. <laughs> well, because I, I know I was punish? heartbroken as a kid when I found out. How old I, were you when you I, found God, out? I don't know, like around eight or ten, I just sort of worked it out. It was too know? early. It, it was, was too, too early. early. Your parents didn't yeah. try hard enough. Well, to... I just, no, but they 15. were honest. I asked them and they just said, well, no, it's us. And I'm like, yeah, I can tell. Like, I was 15. Right. I almost got beat up at school. <laughs> right. Because yeah. my dad was a great liar. You're my kind of girl, and He was like, look at that. It was a plane flying through the air. He said, that's Santa's mm. sleigh. And I was like, guys, I'm telling you, I saw the sleigh. <laughs> it had red flashing lights. It had a, had a kangaroo on the back. <laughs> yeah. uh, it it looked like Qantas plane, but yeah. anyway. That wasn't when you were 15, was it? <laughs> it well, pretty close, yeah. Because people were like, seriously, you're like, you've got Kmart tags on all your presents. What do you think Santa shops at? Kmart. Yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so what about now with your kids? Uh, look, I, I don't think, uh, I think it's really tricky because I like to be quite honest with my kids, but there's some things that they can't put into the context of life. So you can't give them the total honest answer because it will scare them. Or, it, you know, for instance, um, well, Sailor is a real truth police. So she feels really offended if you 
if you tell us something and it's not the truth. So I have to really pick my words very carefully. Um, her auntie and uncle had separated, living in separate houses, and she said, are they going to get divorced? It was only very fresh. She was only six, didn't really understand, you know, why are they not living together? And I said, well, you know, it's just for a little a little time. They're just trialling to see how they go because they've been fighting a bit and, you know, trying to just make it not a big deal. And then two years later, you know, she's eight and, and they're, they're divorced and they've both got new partners. And she said to me, you're a liar. Ooh. You lied to me. Ouch. You told me it was just a, you know, a trial. That's not fair. What about when a white lie will make your life easier? So 100%. That, all the time. <laughs> so if you take one sibling, let's just say you're a Macca's kind of family, no. and you take one to, yeah, I know, but you know, Park, Macca's, whatever, yeah. they get a treat, and the other kid doesn't get the treat, do you tell the other kid the truth that they missed out? Or how do you no, deal with I, that? I omit a bit of information, and okay. I say to Sailor, because it's always Sailor, I say, don't tell Scout, you know, she'll get her own treat down the track. Okay. Which means, That's you fair. know, when she needs to be bribed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, Cam? Because you're younger. To, yeah, they're a bit younger, so it's easier to lie with them, with that sort of thing. Like, if one of them's, one of them has two biscuits, and the other one has only one, and that one with one is freaking out. I just say they've already eaten it. <laughs> and that works? And then some, it, well, the eldest doesn't get that anymore. The youngest just goes, what? Oh, okay. And I say, you already ate it, mate. It's gone. We ate it. Or something like that. You know, if it's very simple, sort of sleight of hand, white lie. Those sorts of things are pretty simple. It was tough too when they weren't in daycare at the same days. So there was, uh, Oscar's younger, so he was... Um, he was only in two days, but now they're in three days a week, so it's not as hard. But whenever I had to drop Archie off at daycare, that was one that was like, why can't I stay at home? You know, exactly. I had to sort of try and fabricate something. And then I just went, you know what, stuff this. You're older. He's not. Yeah. He, we haven't got him in there. You'll be going the same amount of days soon. But that's You're when just you say be, to them, yeah. you remember how you had 18 months where you were an only child? <laughs> Your brother will never have that. <laughs> That's yeah, what we yeah. Say to yeah. I about, need some time with the kid. Yeah. What about lies? I'm just asking for a friend here. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, if you don't brush your teeth, your teeth will fall out. 100% do that yeah. all the time. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. That's yeah. not a lie. Well, kind of, yeah. yeah. If they never, ever brush their teeth, yeah. Yeah, even you're back in the 16th century when no one had teeth by the time they were 20. Yeah. Exactly. And if you mm. if you eat lollies for breakfast, like, your teeth will rot. Yeah. That's also true. Yeah. I've also said, if you yeah. don't behave, you're going to go and live in the bin. Yeah. I've actually said that out loud. <laughs> I'm going to put you in the bin. See, I, I have is, things is that repeated. Is lie, though? Would you well, put I, in the bin? I actually have put Archie in the bin, <laughs> in the greens bin, because he was he called me on it. He's like, go on. And I went, okay, fine, and picked him up and put him in the green bin oh, with all the green stuff. He loved on it. it. Yeah. I know. So I had to follow through <laughs> yeah. with my lie. The green bin can be pretty festive, though. Oh, yeah, no. He's that's all good right. for him. Yeah. yeah. Immune building. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Well, that was our final topic. But before we go, i like to see what's going on for our guests. Shezzy, this time last year, you were on the campaign trail for Grant yes. for the Logies. Yep. What's happening this year? This year, I'm on the campaign trail for Amanda Keller. So, um, yeah, vote for Amanda. She's uh, she's an amazing human being, and I just love working, you know, alongside um, her. She's a very generous, 
um, very funny lady. But she's also a little bit shy and um, and she doesn't like to ask people to vote. So that's my role. Yeah. This, this okay. Year. Vote for yep. Amanda. Vote for Where Amanda. Where do they for go? Gold. Something about now, the logies. <laughs> now to love. au forward slash. Logies. Vote Logies or something, yeah. Oh, just Google it. Yeah. What is it now to love? I was like, what? Yeah. It's, uh, Maybe it's the a new thing. TV Week website. So. Ah, oh, God, why don't they make yeah. it easy? Just votelogies.com. Yeah. There's none of this other. That would be easy. So much simpler, that? isn't yeah. it? You've just yeah. given them free advice. Oh, Cam, yeah. what are you going to plug, mate? Um, look, I'd love a Logie myself. Uh, just, <laughs> Too late. Too late. Just, next year? Uh, next, next year, maybe. Weekend, Here's okay, hoping. So. Um, haven't been in 10 years. Thank God for that. Um, <laughs> anyway, what have I got going on? Yes, you've got any shows? On? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually doing a really interesting gig coming up with Mel Buttle. You know, she's in that show with Claire Hooper, Australian Bake Off. Uh-huh. I'm going up to Brunswick Heads with her on the 5th of July. We're going up to do a show at the at the Brunswick Heads Hotel, which they, I think they're starting a regular comedy venue up there. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's going to be really worth while doing um, and just other stuff there's just gigs around town you can find me on my on social media it's easy. well I've got to say your website is not very good for it's some. not up to date. is it easy <laughs> to find to no it's yeah camnight.com.au oh, yeah, pretty simple information yeah. on like, it. oh logies, I see all right votelogies.com.au <laughs> yeah but then have the right information on it Shizzy because <laughs> right. does not in have in 2014 it, no. Cam went to the zoo <laughs> <laughs> I'm more up to date with what I'm doing gig wise on um, on Facebook. And Facebook, Instagram. your material's yeah. fresh. Cam yes. Night yes. Comedy. <laughs> yes. Cam yeah. Night Comedy Cam on comedy. Facebook. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll put that all in the notes to this episode. Shezzy, Cam, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Siobhan Hunt. You can find me at Siobhan Hunt. See you next time. You've been listening to the Parent Panel, a babyology podcast, hosted and written by Siobhan Hunt, produced and edited by Debbie Ning. For more information on the show or to check out other episodes with equally funny and insightful guests, you can find all you need at our website, babyology.com.au slash parent panel.